Hello, and welcome to today's show. You are listening to The Digital Matrix, where Kurt talks to some of the brightest minds in the industry about the most advanced technology IT solutions available today to help your business thrive. Today's episode is brought to you by General Data Tech at www.gdt.com. You can also email the show at podcast at gdt.com. And now, to start the show from his secret podcast studio in City Center in Houston, Texas, here's your host, Kurt Nordquist. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to the show today. I call the show The Digital Matrix, where I take a few minutes to dive into various discussions with subject matter experts working with the best in the business. I'm your host, Kurt Nordquist, Executive Director of Global Alliances at GDT, coming to you from our recording studio in the city center area of Houston, Texas. Hey, today's a good one. I have a guest here in-house, John Woodall. He is GDT's Vice President of Engineering and NetApp Enablement. Now, he's a Bay Area guy. He's visiting Texas this week. And John, welcome to the show today. Really glad to have you here. And we even brought for you some of that great California weather. I mean, what is it? 50s outside, low humidity, very sunny, just for you, my man. Hey, Kurt, it's great to be here with you in Houston. And by the way, the weather in Houston right now is better than it is at home for me. So I did. I think I do You know, deserve credit for bringing good weather well, here. Well, we a certainly days. appreciate it. I know. So uh, all us Houstonians understand what's about to come up with the summer. Uh, any day we can get like this is a good day. <laughs> well, hey, so thanks for taking your time out of the day to join us on the show. I know you got a busy schedule. Um, did I get the title right? I mean, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do for GDT? Well, yeah, like, like so much of what we'll talk about today and so many of our customers, transitions are part of what we deal with. And so GDT has invested in and um, – deploying a regional model, which as we look at our growth and our transformation is the right structure. And so because I'm in the West, um, I'm going to have a new title um, soon, if not like this week, which is Regional Vice President Solutions Engineering. So I'll still have a, you know, a place in my heart for NetApp. I'll still drive a lot of that, but we'll become very focused on pre-sales, post-sales, service delivery services, professional services, and managed services uh, from a technical side out in the West and uh, just aligning to corporate. And you came over to us via an acquisition that we had a couple of years ago. You were with IAS. Correct. You were also a member of uh, what NetApp calls their A-team. What exactly is that? So uh, the NetApp A-team is the brainchild of uh, Sam Moulton, uh, who is at NetApp in marketing. And it's it's a group of very passionate uh, individuals who are customers and partners that have an affinity for NetApp. And we're very public and vocal in our advocacy. And so it's an invite-only group. It's, It's really special. It's like a family to us. Um, and since we're on the topic of you know, what I do with respect to NetApp, I'm on their partner advisory board. I'm also on the steering committee to their partner advisory board. So longtime fan, probably 20 years of you know, working with NetApp, either as a partner or as a customer. Now, I have seen many of your presentations, read <laughs> many of your absolutely famous emails. I'm always hearing you talk about the concept of following the data and what it means to drive outcomes. What do you mean by that? Well, it's, it's funny because, uh, you know, data is the lifeblood of business. It always has been. But I think, you know, as we look at people talking about digital transformation, the digital enterprise, the digital factory, um, it refocuses us on data. And, you know, 
it's like, why data? It's kind of fundamental. Well, that's the point. You know, I think of, let's put it in this context of sports. Steph Curry on the Warriors. Probably one of the best basketball players in history, period, end of discussion. Hard to argue against. He doesn't miss. Does not. He and, doesn't have any fans here in Houston, by the way. <laughs> well, you know, that that's a different discussion. He's, he's tore up the Rockets enough times. He's torn up a lot of people. But the good the thing is, he still practices ball handling and passing skills. Why? He is training for the moment when an opportunity presents itself so that his reaction is practiced, it's muscle memory, and it's a high degree of execution. Got to have the fundamentals. Absolutely. And data is one of those fundamentals. We, we've seen people talk about data-driven, data-centric, uh, data-thrivers. And it really just highlights the the value of data, especially in this era of business, in the transformations that we as an integrator go through, our partners, you know, we mentioned NetApp and any of our partners are going through a similar transition, uh, and our customers. So this is something that's common for everyone, is how do we get the most value from our data? So that seems kind of basic. So why focus on the data? Well, you know, I, I think it was The Economist in 2017 had that famous uh you know, a cover of data is the new oil. And I think it really captures the value of data as a commodity. And, but like a lot of things, I think of data in, like in chemistry, talk about the phases or states of, of matter. Data has three phases or states, data at rest, storage, data in use, compute, data in transit, uh, networking. Those three elements are essential building blocks of any solution and any use of data. So we always have to keep our eye on that. That's uh, part of the fundamentals. And it also means if we look at data in all three states, when we think about what outcome we're driving, it makes sure that we're complete and thorough in our vision and our, our diligence about what we're trying to do. So John, tell me, why do you think understanding location matters. Uh, okay, so I'm going to throw a little Simon Sinek out here. You have to kind of understand the why. So when I engage with customers, um, I want to know where they're deploying data. You know, it used to be that we'd talk about two data centers and replication or geographic, you know, convenience or where you had workforce. But with cloud adoption being so prevalent and growing so quickly, um, you really start have to re rethink data locations as the core data center or colo and colo's driving quickly to become the new data center second is the edge you know as the emerging iot edge embedded edge um, and edge takes on different contexts and different verticals uh, and then the cloud and so your data is going to live across this core edge cloud continuum and that's where you have to start thinking about if i'm putting my data in different places to derive different value and outcomes I start to have to think about providing a common set of services across the locations that doesn't change based on location. So let's talk a little bit more about services in this context. Obviously, there's a lot of products that are available for people. Let's talk about the services component. Sure. So I think of um, you know, and NetApp, I don't know if they coined the phrase, but they use it heavily as data fabric. And I'm a big fan of it in the context of wherever a customer chooses to place their data, they want to create a consistent, reliable, predictable way of interacting with and using their data. Think of it as air traffic control for your data. When I got on a plane to come out here, I went and taxied, I took off, I got handed off to different control centers, and then I reversed the process when I landed in Houston. I, as a passenger, the data in transit, maybe not much use at that point, um, I had a consistent, predictable, reliable experience, and I didn't have to think about it. 
And so you want to create that same kind of mesh or fabric for your data to exist on that you can derive value out of. It's kind of a high-level concept, but when you think about it, why not? Why should I do something differently because it's in a different location or, or a different state? So big topic. And I know my listeners will see that this is a common theme. I like to talk about ransomware because of <laughs> yeah. all of the activities that we're seeing that's happening with companies around the way. Uh, talk to that a little bit. So um, it's funny. Ransomware is is probably one of the most existential threats that um, we have. And it's not going to go away anytime soon. Um, and I think the typical security discussion starts with what I will call the router down. You know, we have our endpoint protection, we have our routers, our firewalls, we have things on the network. Those are all very essential uh, elements in a ransomware or security strategy. But I think you also have to take the view of the data at rest, one of the states, and work at it from a data up perspective. And when you take that view, you start thinking about the, you know, the three unalienable rights of data, the right to be protected, the right to be secure, and the right to be recoverable in all states and in all locations. So if you think of that as a guiding principle, then the ability to make sure that you can recover your data if it's been encrypted or deleted, well, you start talking about the platform security of your primary storage. You start thinking about replication. You start thinking about your data protection and backup schemes. You start thinking about how to secure those environments. The organizations that have a high degree of confidence and high success rate in practice for recovering data to a stated recovery point time and recovery uh, point in time objective, they're the ones that ransomware, while not a non-issue, they can recover from and keep moving on quickly. So that to me is from a ransomware and data perspective, the ability to provide protection, security, and recoverability are essential and starting at data at rest and working up is a different way of approaching that. So you have a, a cute little saying you like to throw around the office and make sure I get this right. Yeah. Backup flatters, recovery matters. Yep. Yeah, 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 exactly right, yeah. Yeah, and snapshots are not backup. They can be part of a recovery workflow. They're not backup. They're not backup. So what other services kind of fill out this picture? So if I think about my data in its different locations and states, the things that I also need to serve my data is I need visibility. What kind of throughput and performance do I have? How much do I have? Where is it? I need to be able to correlate these things. What type of data do I have? So I need visibility tools. I also need... Um, governance and compliance tools. You know, we talk about CCPA, GDPR, um, and other compliance and regulatory requirements that our customers deal with. We want to make sure that we have the ability to quickly understand the classification of data and is it compliant or not. That's another big one. And then portability. Um, and this, this is where we start getting more into the DevOps discussion, typically in microservices. But the ability to have an application instantiated on-prem, or in my choice of hyperscale or cloud, and have it operationally be consistent and the same, that that's a great target for customers who are doing a lot of DevOps. Now, you had mentioned hybrid to multi-cloud. What does the data say? Uh-huh. So let the data describe the data. I like that. And so Microsoft, uh, and there's a bunch of these studies out there. I like the one that Microsoft did because they, they uh, queried a, a large number of, of users, and 86% of the respondents plan to increase their investment in hybrid or multi-cloud or hybrid multi-cloud. Um, 88% of the Fortune 500 um, plan to revise or increase their cloud usage in the next year. 
76% choose hybrid or multi-cloud on a pro- as a proactive business strategy. So again, back to transformation. They're using hybrid multi-cloud to accelerate that. It's quicker and faster than building a data center. There's a lot of operational benefit. And 95% of those queried said hybrid or multi-cloud was critical to their business success. So, you know, cloud, hybrid cloud, multi-cloud, it's driving business outcomes. That's why the growth rate is so high and increasing. So if you're talking about data, the location, one of which would be cloud. And cloud, we talk about cloud going to the cloud. I also like to think of cloud as a lifestyle. It's a way of doing things. You know, highly automated, subscription-based, services-based, not so much CapEx, build and deploy. So, John, for the typical customer, that's a lot for them to balance. Oh, would man, you, would you agree? I mean, what's, yeah. a, what's a simple way for them to capture this? Well, as we started the conversation, there's so much transition going on, and there's a lot of moving parts, and there's a lot of paradigm shifts. And the one guiding principle that I encourage, I start a lot of conversations this way and always come back to it throughout and I end with it is if you're looking at how to maximize the use and the value from your data as a business, cloud is very attractive. But before you start putting workloads into a hyperscaler and putting your data there, there's two things that you always have to be thinking of. One is how do I control cost? So there's internal incentives you need to think about for your team. There's KPIs on how you measure. Um, You have to think in terms of constant optimization, financial optimization, performance optimization, operational efficiency. Those things optimized. And then the last bit is agility. You go to the cloud for agility. The balancing act is between cost and agility. And the control point is the customer has to maintain control of their data Accept the lock-in that fits your company's strategy, but nothing more. So if you put your data in a different location that's not your own data center, you never should give up the control of your data because that gives you the ability to repatriate workloads, move them to a different platform, move them to a different provider or service without some of the problems that maybe some of the early attempts and, and learning lessons you know, that, that customers... So cost and agility are the simple way to think about it. Great. So... Obviously, we have these discussions with our partners every single day. I know you're talking to folks in the West. You talked about that's where you're from, Central and the East. Why is this discussion important for GDT's customers? Great question, Kurt. I think as we engage with our customers, recognize they're in transition, the ability to help a customer look at their data from the fundamental basics of um, its state, its location, Uh, how to optimize that, security, the ability to take that to a customer's discussion and help them drive outcomes with confidence is letting the data tell us where to go, right? And in that context, I like to think of what we do as optimization from literally the cable plant up through the cloud. At every point, data exists in different states, and our focus is with our customers to derive the most value. And it's a complicated discussion. There's a lot of services typically required, assessments, readiness assessments, and architectural decisions that have to be made. Cloud is different than on-prem, and you have to understand the differences. So our engagement with customers is to drive the services, to bring the right partner mix together, to bring the thought leadership and guidance around data. That's what we do. 
Yeah, that was going to be my next question around assessments, right? Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about what an assessment would look like given a – uh, and scenarios that you see on a day-to-day -day sure. basis. I, I, oftentimes, you know, many many customers think they understand their data, and maybe they do. I never want to say they don't, but a formal sit-down, call it a cloud readiness assessment or a storage design workshop, is the ability to look at their data, what type it is, what its characteristics are, where it lives, so that you can normalize the discussion around, if I choose to put my data from where it is today to a different location, what does it cost? What are the performance differences? What are the operational differences? So that you have kind of an eyes wide open view before you go in. So that's probably one of the easiest ways to start. And then there's different cloud adoption and architectural framework discussions that come after that. Well, thank you, John. You know, there's a reason why your calendar is so full <laughs> every week here at GDT. I, and I know you and I have talked about doing a show together, oh, right? Yeah. The whole the Jay Woody and Uncle Kurt show. And, and here we are. And uh, it's been a ton of fun. We need to make more of these. I agree, Kurt. This has been great to talk with you. To our listeners, if you would like to hear more and take a deeper dive to discuss your organization's data with John, reach out to your GDT sales rep or look us up online at www.gdt.com. You can even email the show at podcast at gdd.com. And uh, John, they can contact you as well online. Oh, yeah. I'm out in the Twitter sphere, the Twitterverse, uh, at John underscore Woodall at Twitter. So if you want to reach out to me there, I'm always available. All right. For John Woodall, I'm Kurt Nordquist at GDT, and this is The Digital Matrix. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The Digital Matrix with Kurt Nordquist. For more information on the technologies discussed on today's show, you can email Kurt at podcast at gdt.com. Please be sure to follow us at The Digital Matrix for more cool tech content on future podcasts.